live from you, a hotel room in Perth, no, Australia. No, oh. I start. Oh, okay. Come on, man. Okay, all right. We have a thing. Okay, sorry, buddy. You're listening to... It's just... God, it's man. not as fun now? Live from a hotel room okay, in Perth, Australia, the Dollop Podcast is about to begin. That's better. Thank you. You're listening to the Dollop Podcast on the All Things Comedy Network. This is an American history podcast. Occasionally, we go to Australia and do Australia stuff. But each week, I read a story from history to my friend. Uh, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about, this time we're doing it live from a hotel room in Perth, Australia. You did just see what the topic's going to be about, though, if you look down. Cause the, I didn't. It wouldn't make any difference. Look. Look at the name. Know. Look I at choose, the name. I choose to you not know. You don't know who the fuck that is, man. I know that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> Old Towley Bowley. Old Tullabola. Tommy Bowley and called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five part coefficient. <laughs> My room's a flame. Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. Gareth, if that's your alleged name, uh, on March 12th, the dollop will be live in Boston. And then the next night, we head to New York City. And then the night after that, we head to Washington, D.C. And the night after that, Philadelphia. God, I can't believe you have those all committed to memory. Yeah, I bang them out, and I'm good at this. That's well uh, done. Go to com for tickets. And then we have a bunch more cities coming up on the tour. Uh, Seattle, Portland, uh, Madison, Milwaukee. Des Moines, St. Paul, Charlemagne, the God, um, um, Mount Olympus. Yeah, good job. Felt I was really impressed for a minute, and now I no longer am. And um, Dave, I also will be uh, in Timoney, Maryland, at Magoobie's Joke House. Not a place. I'll be in D.C. at Union Stage on May seventeenth. Magoobie's is May sixteenth. May eighteenth, I'll be at the Funny Bone in Richmond, Virginia. May nineteenth, I'll be at the Funny Bone in Virginia Beach, Virginia. May twentieth, I'll be back in New York in Brooklyn at the Bell House. And then June eighth, I'll be in Oxnard at Levity Live. June 9th, I'll be at the Irvine Improv. And then June 12th, I'll be in San Diego, California. June 15th, oh, has this been announced? I'll be in Napa. Going to make some uh, some wine. Wine town. Wine town. Yeah, and then also, uh, June 23rd, I'll be in Burbank, California at Flappers. The bank. That's what they call it. Yep. Back at Flappers. Um, yeah. So that's all happening, and I'm excited for everybody that they can be a part of that. And I'm asking people to wear masks. I'll be handing out yeah. free N95 masks. And we would like you to wear masks at the dollop shows. Yes. I know everyone's acting like it's over. It's not. I know I know everyone wants to be like, it's done. Now we're in How about this? Instead of loathing us, just say these guys are such warriors. And <laughs> yeah. roll your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Roll your just eyes and just be like, these guys like are that. so lame. These guys, just be like this. These guys are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are yeah. cuckoo bananas. That's right. The dollop is brought to you in part by Keeps. Look, a lot of guys don't like losing their hair. Who does? Who wants that? And that's why now we're lucky we have things like Keeps, right? So if if you don't like what's going on, there's a solution. And there's no reason not to just try it if it's something that bums you out. 
Two out of three men are going to experience some form of hair loss by the time of the 35. About 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And now we have two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss, and Keeps has both. It's very easy. It's very affordable. It's stress-free. Uh, you got a, a virtual doctor consultation. Medications come delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your house. Don't, don't even go outside to do this. They got 24-7 care and support, expert medical advisors, prescribers, care specialists, whatever you need, they can help you out. Very low cost. Treatments start at just 10 bucks a month and keeps offers generic versions for two of the FDA-approved medications to prevent hair loss. So it's affordable. So look, Keeps has everything your hair needs. Comes straight to your door, discreet packaging. It's not going to have a big, this guy's losing his hair on the side. And prevention's the key. That's how it works with hair loss. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to jump on it. So look, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash dollop to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash dollop to get your first month free. keeps.com slash dollop. And the dollop is also brought to you in part by Peloton. Look, it can be hard to get motivated to work out sometimes. Uh, you just don't feel like it, right? You don't want to get moving. Maybe you think you don't have the time. You go into the gym takes time. Finding classes takes time. You got a favorite instructor. You can't get into the class or whatever. It can be difficult. But now you got Peloton. And uh, you got the classes you like. You can always jump in them. No problems with time. Spent a lot of time on the bike with uh, Dennis Morton. That's my instructor. We have a lot of musical tastes in common. I'm just saying, Pantera. And then as far as working out, you can choose what you want to do. I mean, that's the best thing, right? So I, I've been doing a lot of boxing. I've been doing HIET. Uh, I get on the bike. I've been doing strength stuff. So I can like choose what I want to do at any time and just hop on it, and it makes working out so much easier. Peloton has thousands of live and on-demand classes, so you can just keep it fresh, Cycling, strength, yoga, running, whatever you want to do. And you can fit it really easily into your life. If you're looking for a 10-minute workout, you want to do an hour, whatever time you want to do it, there you are. It's right there in your house. You can also use it on the road. You're out in a hotel. You want to work out. Bam, that's what I've been doing on the tour with the boxing. So right now is the perfect time to try out Peloton. With Peloton, Bike Plus is now $500 less. It's the best price yet, including free delivery and setup and there are more game-changing prices available on the original Peloton bike and Peloton tread. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. And we are brought to you in part by Everlane. So look, plastic is a huge problem for the planet. Uh, it's in everything now. It's not just piling up in landfill. It's uh, getting incinerated. It's driving up greenhouse gases. Uh, microplastics are getting in everything. The oceans, they're up in the Arctic. Uh, it's in drinking water. It's in food chains. It's in you. So it might be time to get a little more careful about using plastic in everyday life. But it's really easy to overlook plastic synthetic materials in our clothes. So Everlane has made it 90% of the way to having no new plastics in their entire apparel, their footwear, and their packaging supply chain. And to combat that last 10% that currently doesn't have quality alternatives, they've created the Next Collective, a fellowship program to boost innovation for ending new plastics in the fashion industry. Hugely important. We have to get rid of plastics. Nobody is doing this. 
So it's important uh, for companies to get out in front, set an example, show that it can be done. 100% of Everlane's shipping packaging is made from either 100% recycled plastic or FSC certified paper. 90% of apparel materials containing polyester and nylon are made from certified recycled fibers, more than a million pounds of nylon, and 9 million plastic bottles recycled. So this is super, super important. I can't tell you how important it is to get rid of plastics. And here's the thing. Everlane clothes are awesome. I've talked many times about the French Terry sweatpant. It looks really awesome, but it's a sweatpant. It's my favorite thing in the world. I wear it everywhere. You don't look like a creep. You look nice. And look, they, uh, Everlane also has what they're calling the Next Collective, which is a fellowship program bringing diverse perspectives together to clean up the fashion industry. And this year, they gave 100000 in grants to entrepreneurs working to reduce plastics. Love it. So look, be a part of a movement for more sustainable clothing. Go to everlane.com slash dollop and sign up for 10% off your first order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash dollop and sign up. October 22nd, 1851, year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. I would love to know. I hope there's someone next door in the room next door. Uh, yeah, there was a baby laughing for about an hour today. I have a name. William Preston Talby was born in Morgan County, Kentucky, to parents William and Mary Ann. You just always named your kid after you back then. Yeah, I guess so. But then I would not do that because that one, you know, you got a 50% chance of the kid living. So That's why you name like three of them. It. You're like, this William. is William, this is William, this is William. <laughs> I am guaranteed. Worst case scenario, I have one. Best case, two. Yeah. He attended. Uh, he went to school. His father uh, tutored him. Uh, when William, William <laughs> also was, great, right? He, yeah. I mean, what does all. dad know? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> um, dad believed that. Dad believes in really crazy shit. Now it's time for you to learn. Now son. you're gonna know. The stars aren't real. That's God's diarrhea. Now that's how that all started. You, how did you man to manage to ruin stars? Well, you mean the network? <laughs> uh, William was actually one of twelve children, so their children lived. They were livers, as they call them. Wow, back in the day, that's tough. That's it, probably like that. I, I'll shut up in a second, but that's probably like, you know, you're probably like disappointed a little. You're like, twelve is a lot. I, know, you like, didn't I, want, I feel like I would be like six. Yeah, you don't want twelve. You like they all oh, lived. None of you are gonna die. Anyone got a cough? Anyone feeling a little <laughs> achy? <laughs> His father served in the state's general assembly, and William helped run the family farm. Okay. Uh, his time was spent at school or working on the farm, and after he worked uh, for a short time shoveling coal and then moved away to work as a teacher. Okay, sure. Coal, sh- coal shoveling. Uh, William was very tall, very broad-shouldered, very good-looking. He had a deep voice. All right. He was a very good speaker. That's right. The sky at night is God's diarrhea. Well, now I like it. Yeah. Yeah. He met and married Lou Emma Oney when uh, he was 19, and they started cranking out kids pretty quick. Sure. This is a fertile family. Right. Okay. Spermy. It's very spermy people. They uh, ended up having five sons. Wow. He kept teaching until 1877 when he decided to study theology and become a Methodist minister. Here we go. 
To bring in money while ministering, he worked as a clerk in uh, the county court. That was an elected position. Okay. Uh, but he always seemed to want to go for a different job. So while he's doing those two things, he starts studying law and then uh, passed the bar in 1881 and opened his own law he's practice. He's doing a lot. Yeah. A lot's happening. He's moving around. He's right. Not, he's not in... He's, he's, he doesn't like... He doesn't stick to one thing. Yeah. He right. taught for six years, and he's like, nah. But before be that, he was shoveling coal. Then he's yeah. a minister. Now, yeah. now is, uh, did you say judge? <clears throat> no, he's a lawyer. Lawyer, okay. Um, so he was reelected uh, clerk in 1882. He had a lot of success as a lawyer. As a minister, he was admitted to the Kentucky Conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. Man, there was some, there must have been some batshit stuff being said oh, in the eight, late 1800s. Methodist <sighs> Kentucky, crazy. I mean, now it's already it's bonkers. Now, yeah. back then, oh yeah. <laughs> On August 14th, 1884, William was unanimously nominated to run as the Democratic candidate to the House of Representatives for the 10th District of Kentucky. Okay. Well, this is when Democrats existed in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was an open seat, so the previous rep was retiring, and no one knew who his Republican opponent was, so he coasted a victory with the 2,000-vote margin. Okay. Which I assume was huge in Kentucky at that right. point. Right. I'd imagine there were only There's like not, 1,700 people there. Right. So 300 extras? Yeah. Whoa. You had that back then. Right. Well, you still have that now. There's so many dead people voting. Yeah, it just so. goes on and on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think dead people should be allowed to vote. I think in a lot of ways in our government, they are. I think they should expand the voting age, first of all, from 18 down to 13, and then for five years after death. I think you should still be able to drive after you die. Yeah. I well, some people are doing that. I've there's seen. a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Grover Cleveland is elected president. Okay. Things are looking pretty great for William. Okay. He was called silver-tongued and described as dignified and impressive, despite being very young. Hmm. How, what, how old are we talking? Uh, right. It's 1884, so he is... 23-ish? No, he's like 33, but 33. that's considered young for a right. politician, right? Right, yeah. Um. Oh, no, it's he's 30. Sorry. Okay. Nope, I'm wrong. 33. Okay. okay. So, uh, he, yeah, so people are really, really impressed with him. People in Kentucky felt William uh, would help their state regain influence that it had recently lost. He was soon being referred to as our prez because hmm. they thought he was going to the so White House. Right. Okay. They're like, this guy's the shit. This guy's good. That's right. If you look up in the sky, you look at all those stars at night. You know what I think it is? No. I think that's God's diarrhea. No. Okay, so we're going to have to stop saying that. I'm ready to take thoughts like this all the way to the White House. Well, My father taught I me. Consider, I I'm think, ready. Yeah, that's not boo-doo, great. Boo-doo, boom, ba-dum, ba-dum, what is boo-doo. that? I don't know. I'm like that guy in The Temptations who's got that deep ass voice. That's boy. not even a thing yet. Yeah. They've been around for a while. <laughs> no, they haven't. But they form soon. No, they don't. Look up at like the night. Years. Look up at the stars. That's a bunch of diarrhea coming near Mars. Yeah, I'm starting to not think that. Let's go to the White House, baby. <laughs> Make some changes. So, at least two Kentucky families named their child Prez Talby. Well, that does not feel like an homage to a specific person. No, it's very normal. Yeah, well, but you can also, like, like you could be like, that was after Grover Cleveland. 
Yeah, but like you're not tied name, into anything. His last name is Talby, so they did name him Prez oh, Talby. They like named Prez, Prez Talby Jackson. Oh, Jesus. Okay, very specific. Sorry, I forgot. About, <laughs> I forgot. I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big first namer on these these shows. The Katzleberg Democrat wrote, "Quote: Sure, we will now say in print." The Katzleberg. Katzle, Katzleberg. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote, quote, we will now say in print what we have predicted to various gentlemen in private that President Talby, should he live, will be governor of Kentucky inside 10 years. Pardon. You had to always pardon that in. Pardon. If he makes it. Not great. If he lives. If he lives, ten, if he lives to the old age of 43. <laughs> he's going to be If prisoned. he lives. Yeah, we got to throw We're predicting he will die. There's but f- if he somehow beats the numbers and lives to 43, yeah. he will be the president. The only thing that's going to stop him is not a Republican opponent, but his own mortality. You joke. Keep him in a glass box. Pope mobile him. An article in the Daily Bulletin wrote that a speech he made before a full house had been, quote, largely composed of ladies. Okay, so this... So, so women right. are into him. Right, okay. So right. they fill up the gallery, and they come to see him speak, right. and I assume they're swooning, <sighs> and there's touching, <sighs> and... <sighs> Uh, you ever look up at the stars? Oh my God, this is my favorite. Oh, he's in the diary a bit. Uh, he was nicknamed the Mountain Orator. The Mountain Orator. Mm-hmm. That was Zeus's job originally. Um, yeah. Well, he was also lightning bolts. Mm, not familiar. When he was up for re-election in 1886, he found himself running against the same Republican he had crushed two years before. But now he'd been in Congress for two years, so people were starting to have complaints about, like, everyone's so got, got the, a complaint. You can do the incumbent stuff. Yeah, they're right. like, you did this, you did this. Right. Was he good? Was he, like, doing stuff? He's all right. Okay. So, yeah, so they have a knock on him. Seems to be, but the, uh, by the way, when you get in, so this is just a tale as old as time. You get in government, and then you're like, ah, I'm good. Yeah. Whew. I made it. It should be easy. Uh, so this was a tougher campaign, and they had 27 debates. Jesus Christ! I, they should that that really should be how it is now. Yeah, they should have to drive around and get on the stage. The Republicans debate. have basically said in the national for the they're not going to debate anymore. Wasn't that something that just happened? Oh, I wouldn't but, surprise me at all. I, I I might be wrong, but I feel like they just were basically like we're not going to. Well, there's they, no, but they're not going to take. Uh, I don't. I feel like they were saying the presidential debate is they're not going to. Uh, I might be wrong. I can't I imagine like, not wanting to debate Biden. Like, why would you? Oh say my that? God. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I would be the most... You could just be like, look, if you drop these keywords and it will confuse... Like, it'll <laughs> fuck with his wiring. Um, so, besides... I forgot what we were just talking about. I also forgot what we were just talking oh, about. It's, it's the two of them. It's going to be amazing. We're not sure what the subject was. We would like uh, someone to remind us what the subject was. The only thing we can agree on is we don't know... What we were talking about. So what? if someone could... Why is Clinton there? Am I Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guy. There we go. <laughs> they all become Clinton. Yeah. Um, so the 27 debates, they also gave dueling speeches. So one would give an hour speech and the next one would give an hour speech. Okay. So William won again, but this time much, much closer. Uh, the Democrats, however, lost the majority in 1886. Okay. So he goes back to D.C., and uh, he finds that articles now written about him are a little bit harsher. Like, he's not getting the the new rookie, shiny, pretty guy right. thing, right? Right. So months into the term... In his head, he was like, I just got to make it to 43, and I'm going to be the president, I thought. Yeah. 
He's like, no, no, no. You need other stuff? Yeah, people. But listen to me. Start looking. Where are all those ladies at? Where are my ladies? Where are my constituents? What's up, ladies? By the way, Dev, I think we should just take a break quickly and just mention that the dollop is brought to you by Jats. Jats. Jats Crackers. Jats Crackers is the only cracker that you'll always find in Dave Anthony's room. Jats. Jats. They're crackers. And Dave fucking loves them. Like Jats. Uh, I like the pepper ones better, though. Well, you got originals there. Yeah. Uh, so months into his new term, rumors are circulating that he was not going to run for re-election. Okay. Even when he bought a house in D.C. and announced he was going to stay, people were like, he's not going to stay. Okay, interesting. Maybe because he was said he was going to keep living there after he retired. So that might have been a mixed signal. He's like, I bought a house. I'm staying. Also, I'm going to live here when I retire. Okay. So, right. Okay. But, okay. can see the mixed signals there. Well, no, not really. Because, I mean, I feel like, I mean, maybe, but it's like, that's not, it's not like he bought property in Tampa. No, but he bought, but he, he, he bought, bought a house, house and, and then he's and like, I'm going to stay, like, I'm sta- look, I'm staying here. And then people are like, yay. And he was like, and I will stay here after I'm done too. And people are like, that's a mixed signal. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Houston Kincaid was four years younger than William. He had grown up in Lexington, Kentucky and became a journalist after graduating college. Okay. He edited a newspaper in Lawrenceburg for two years and then got a job at the Lexington Courier General covering state politics. Okay. Now, Charles had dabbled in politics a bit and uh, was nicknamed Judge Kincaid after being elected uh, a municipal judge in 1879. Boy, you just had real career fluidity back then. <laughs> You're just I like... Think- in Kentucky, it's so open, you know, rangy type thing, you know, the frontier that you, there's so many jobs that are popping up that if it's just, a lot like the economy today when you can just find good paying jobs and swap around really it's exactly like that. Thank you. Uh, a year after he was appointed uh, a state railroad commissioner. So he's connected, right? Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time abroad working as a consulate to England under President Cleveland. He was also sent as an emissary by Kentucky's legislature to travel to Italy and talk the Italians, uh, the Italian authorities, into sending the body of a Kentucky, Kentucky sculptor, Joel uh, Hart, back and home. Unfortunately, we really uh, have fallen in love with this corpse. Uh, uh, so, uh, I, uh, how you say, apologize, we turn... Uh, we love, uh, we are doing a, what is it called, a, a weekend of Bernie's? Well, it's a little worse than that. We turn a Joel into a spicy a meatball. Hey, this, uh, well, you can take him back. This uh, used to be fun, but then this guy, he shows up sometimes, and he's just kind of like any momentum that we have, he like quickly. You like a play to Joel? A play to Joel? He's a spicy meatball. Oh, the guy's name is Joel. Yeah. Oh, I forgot of that. Yeah, I turn a Joel into a spicy meatball. Oh, it's just, again, it's like, you know, maybe we could find a, like a different... Um, like a different spicy meatball. No, like a different angle. Like maybe you could like just try to like, you know, you have a one thing and maybe you drop it and like try a new thing. Hey, it's a spicy lasagna. Yeah, it's not even. Okay. It's a little bit better, I guess. Um, by the late 1880s, Charles was. Did, the, did they return the body? Uh, you know, I couldn't figure that out. I looked. I, Why did no, they want the body? Well, he was a hometown. He was a, oh, he a was, local Kentucky guy, and they're like, "Can we?" Was get he our... buried, or were they just like? I know he died. I don't know if they buried him. They probably put him somewhere. Yeah. I would imagine they put him in a tomb or something. Right. Okay. 
Uh, so they wanted him back because he's like, he's a he's, Kentucky guy. They're like, no, nah, this guy, he's a, uh, that is really morbid shit. It's weird. Just, just let, whatever. No, he a die here. We keep him. He's huh? our baby boy. He's our little, little We are going to prop guy. him up and make him a special guest at a dinner party. Hey, the Pope will like him. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Uh, at least it's not cartoony. No, um, no. We, we're, yeah, just, okay, sorry. Uh, so he, uh, he becomes, uh, Charles, uh, by the late 1880s, he's the DC correspondent for the Louisville times. Okay. So, so he's, he's fine. Right. So he's, he's finding William. He's reporting on William. He's reporting on Congress. He's known for going hard at those in power. Okay. Even though he's friends with the congressman, he's still, you know, tenacious. Wow. Senator James Beck said, quote, he's one of those small buzzing bees. He won't hurt anybody, and he's too little to take hold of. Bees can sting you, and certain people can die from that. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No one knows how well Talby and Kincaid knew each other, but for sure they would have known each other around. Right. Uh, In December 1887, a small article was published in the Washington Post. It said a patent office employee had caught a Kentucky representative, quote, in a very compromising position mm. with a young lady. Mm. She was described as a, quote, petite blonde employee of the patent office. Mm. And the two had been I'm found. that ass. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> mine. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah. And the two had been. I've got a patent pending. Oh, I think I said the same thing, basically. <laughs> And the two had been found by Richard Gill of the patent office. <clears throat> when she, when he walked in, she ran off and he hid. So they were banging at the patent office? They were doing something. Man. I mean, I don't know if they were just making out. It's like just... this day and age, I don't know, but probably banging. I yeah, mean, right. Um, no one knows. Oh, sorry. Uh, so Back no, then he was like sniffing her hair and they were like, scandalous. Yeah. They're fucking. Yeah. <laughs> So now the patent office was a place where people went for some action. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, all these original ideas. <laughs> I know. I'm so aroused. <laughs> I've got a great idea. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's go behind the thing that's supposed to turn rice into water. Oh, uh, I'm finished. Oh. <laughs> the model room where miniature versions of inventions were stored. Well, I was- feel like a giant in here. Was nicknamed. Look the, how big my penis looks like next to this thing. Was nicknamed the Lover's Retreat. Oh my God. So that was just the bang room. <laughs> it was where clerks suited with, flirted with suitors who tried to woo them and get them to meet during lunch breaks around the. And then it's like sometime a guy was like, I'm actually just here to check on my patent. It's like, <laughs> what's with all the masks and genitals? Okay, so, uh, all right, so it's a little sketchy, sure. The thick cases the models uh, were put on uh, created a lot of hiding places for action. Wow, so it was that that much fucking was happening in the patent miniature room. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's so weird. It's great. But, I mean, you could, like... It, it, even if you was it just that like the people at the patent office were extremely uh, aroused, yeah, or I think or was a it lot like of, I think a lot of young because couldn't you go to a hotel? Oh, a lot of young women work there. Yeah, I think a okay. lot of women, young women clerk. So there. the pat, all right, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Wow. Wow. And so dudes were like, if you're looking for some action, you head over and flirt with a clerk. Go to the patent. Go to the patent room. Really? Make sure you go to the place of the miniatures of each patent. <laughs> it's really weird. It's perfect. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so dumb. After the Washington Post article came out, Charles Kincaid looks into the story. And the next day, he published an article in the Louisville Times titled, quote, Kentucky's silver-tongued Talby caught in flagrant or thereabouts with brown-haired Miss Dodge. Wow. So he and then the previous one was a blonde. So the previous he's, one was anonymous. Like uh, so, he's right. he's outed them. Right, he's got a lot of patents pending. Uh, yeah, mm. we just did that already. Huh? You said that. Well, seems like there's a lot of patents pending. <laughs> the article said they had been quote lunching on forbidden fruit, and oh, then Mike. By the way, you listen. There's no term I'm using from now on. Other than- <laughs> Do you want to lo- mind if I lunch on your forbidden fruit? <laughs> Excuse me? May I have a bite of your forbidden fruit? I got to go. What? Let me lunch on your forbidden fruit. I literally forbidden- want to bite it. Would you like to lunch on my forbidden fruit? <laughs> I've got a banana and some grapes. Uh, lunching on forbidden fruit and then asked. the he, So he, he said that and then he asked. The and re- then lunching on the ass. And then he asked the reading public, quote, what's the world coming to? So he's like, what in the fuck is... So he's, People are fucking. And he's single, right? Kincaid? No, yeah. Kincaid's married. He is married. Okay, but he's right. also just like, what, we're fucking in the model room? Like, yeah. it's... Um, but he's in government. You're always single if you're in government. So he didn't actually... He didn't actually... Uh, he didn't actually put his name on the story, but everyone <laughs> knew Charles Kincaid had written it. Right. Oh, Okay. So, Charles had figured out very quickly who the woman was and who William was. Miss William Dodge. obviously refused to make a comment, so he went and he tracked down uh, the young lady, Laura Dodge. She was 17 Oof. and lived with her parents on Capitol Hill. Oh, good Lord. Charles, uh, call, uh, he described her as, quote, a little beauty, bright as sunshine, and saucy as a bowl of jelly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just, lunching on forbidden fruit. What? But or what is a it? Bowl of jelly? Yeah, it's weird. It's it's just, weird. You're like too far. You know. What's the most upsetting way to describe a woman? Mm, she's got the personality of Jello. <laughs> she is a petite of figure, but plump as a partridge. Her uh, hair like, is brown. Her, her eyes her. are blue. Cheeks why like is, peaches. Why is every description? Hold that- on, I'm gonna come. My lips like rosebuds dipped with dew. Okay, why okay. is everyone just like a fashion show? It's crazy. This is plump as a partridge. This next model <laughs> from the model room is plump as a partridge. I think they're just trying to write a description that makes dudes want to fuck them. I, I, it is. I, well, I think, I mean, the truth is that it is just like, you know, over intelligence or personality or skill or anything, women were just viewed so, you know, they were so objectified. But so that is the norm of the time. But it's just like, it is. It's just like kind of pervy, like for yeah. every woman to be like, her tit size was, you know, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> just not every because that's not with every dude, right? They're just like, no, it's not. Here's what dude. William looked like. They did that with William, though, with the broad shoulders. But this is way silver more, tongue, big dicked. This is way more graphic. The plump is a partridge thing. I don't know. It's just really, 
Can I see the description? Is that possible? The first paragraph there. This lovely model is Laura Dodge. I would describe her as a little beauty, bright as sunshine, and a saucy bowl of jelly. She's petite of a figure, but plump as a partridge. Her hair is brown, her eyes are blue, cheeks, uh, cheeks like peaches, lips like rosebuds dipped with dew. It's like a little, like... <laughs> She's glistening! It's like a little poem. It really is. So, uh, you know, Charles... Go, uh, so she talks to Charles, and um, while they're... Talking, she admits she was not from Kentucky. Was he just drooling the whole time? He He's must like, yeah. Be. He might be a cannibal. <laughs> he might just, uh, look at you. Look at how you're glistening. Oh. Like dew. So she she says she's not from Kentucky, which is part of why she'd been appointed to the office. Like for some reason, you had to be from Kentucky to be appointed to the office. I don't understand why. The office of patent stuff. Yeah, that patent oh, thing. Okay. It must have. I don't know. It's some weird, you know, thing. They, they are. Doing. They know what has been made and what has not been made more than any other state. <laughs> but she wouldn't tell Charles where she was from because she didn't want to get William in trouble since he was quote a gentleman and I'm supposed to be a lady. We both swear on a stack of Bibles that we had not done anything. Stack of Bibles is a tell. You just a need the one. stack. Yeah, that's like... A stack. Yeah, you just need the one. Charles didn't uh, believe either one of them, and he wrapped up his article by saying, quote, what a mess this is for an ex-Methodist minister and a congressman from the grand old Commonwealth of Kentucky. So in Kentucky, newspapers run with the story, like it's a big scandal in Kentucky. Okay. But not one D.C. paper... Gives, yeah, they're like, do you understand where you are? It's the fuck room. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin the fuck. Yeah. We're talking about the champagne room right now. Yeah. Don't fuck up the champagne room. Yeah. The Washington Post didn't even care enough to follow up and name the congressman accused of doing naughty things in the patent office. So the Post had written the original story. Right. But and now that they know the follow up companion piece, but they're like, yeah, no, we're good. Uh, we had a good run. They're making it a miniseries. But when the congressional term was over, the Post published an article titled, quote, Men Who Quit Congress, and William Talby was featured. The story said absolutely nothing about William and Miss Dodge in the patent library. Interesting. So that's how he announces he's quitting Congress. He announces... I mean, that's the way it gets out there. It's officially in the Washington Post story. That right, he's okay. Leaving. He's right. not going to run again. Right. <clears throat> The patent commissioner says he. The patent commissioner said he would investigate, but he never did. Okay. So just one of we basically. Yeah, because he was like, I know what's going on in there. Yeah, the scandal just. That's where I give. That's where I lunch on forbidden fruit. I I'm there every <laughs> every single Saturday with the grain to water uh, machine, and I mm. get water out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm a forty year old creep. All right. Uh. So everyone just went back to business, right? Sure. People in Kentucky, it turned out to be more upset that Miss Dodge has said she was from K Kentucky to get the job. So they're mad she lied to get the job. And once she left and found a new job in the pension office, everyone just was like, okay, it's over. Oh, the pension office. Anal. <laughs> <laughs> William didn't seem too upset and may, at least not on the, you know, outwards, you know, yeah, over, display. Right. Uh, he probably didn't like being a representative anymore, which he didn't really think he was right for. 
One of the first jobs he took on as a lawyer back in the private world made him about five times his yearly salary as a rep. So he's like, ah, oh, maybe this is better. Okay, right. Yeah. That's also, so strange. What a strange tale. It never happens. Also, he may have made his decision to leave well before the uh, affair was revealed. Okay. At the de- it turns out at the Democratic State Convention in 1887, he proposed censuring President Cleveland for uh, this rape that Cleveland had done. Oh, my God. Yeah. And everyone at the Democratic Convention hissed at William, and his proposal was voted down. Damn, man. It, I, I, you, do, you do feel like um, things have gotten worse, and then you just hear that sort of stuff. You're like, I mean, it's like they always are just like, look, overlook, overlook the rape. Our guy's fine. We've got, we, we have power right now. Overlook that thing. But his party members did not forget that he had brought it up. At the convention. So he's, they're like, you really shouldn't have, you're, you really committed a crime when you brought yeah, up that crime. not the rape guy. Yeah. But the guy who pointed right, it out. Right, right. Back in Kentucky, uh, William's new wealth was enjoyed by his, his fellow citizens, and, he, and he, his image was quickly being rehabilitated. Okay. So people in Kentucky are like, he's great, we like him again. The local paper wrote that William, uh, his support for the guy running to replace him, guaranteed a victory because William was, quote, the most popular man in the district. Okay. But then that guy lost. Okay. And Democrats are no longer, uh, they haven't been in the majority. They're not in the majority. He also lost a sizable chunk of cash. Who, what do you mean? William, William? did. Okay. Uh, in his last year in Congress because the House cashier ran off with the congressional payroll. He stole seventy five thousand dollars. There's our hero. There's the zero of the story. <laughs> he just took the payroll and ran. Great, great move. Seventy five thousand, like two million today. He basically <laughs> and they never found him. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but it, <laughs> it's so great. Ah, oh, that is a great he, move. He never got the money back, so they must have never found him. <laughs> because he could just go somewhere else and be like, "My name's Frank now." Yeah, right, right. It was super. He was probably like a city away, and they're like, "We will never." The leads are cold. We can't find this guy. So he had left, he had, for some reason, a lot of his savings were in, in, in that money, um, but he still, he still had wealth, even though, okay. but that, that was a hit. Right. Um, and it turns out his marriage had fallen apart. What, was there something going on? Yeah, the article had kind of blown it up. Anything about, like, was there a problem with their relationship or something? Uh, it seems no, like things were fine. It was all pretty normal, except for the fucking and sucking near the, the you know, machines. Lunching on the forbidden fruit? Yeah. You know, I hear, you lunch, I hear you lunching on others' forbidden fruit, but you haven't lunched on mine in a while. I just enjoy peaches. Well, every Sorry. now and then it would be nice. What? I just enjoy peaches. Did I tell you? I love a peach. Let me find your pit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't ever say that to Let me again. Let me find your pit. Mmm. Mmm. Is that it? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help. With Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd. And the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 
Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Um, they didn't get divorced, but their marriage is in shambles, basically. Sure. So they, they did what my parents did. So William stays in D.C. and starts working as a lobbyist, which he was very good at, and he starts making a lot of money really quick. Okay. God. It's just, it is, it's amazing. I, I just always was like, things just developed into a bad state of affairs. It's like, no, no, the blueprint. This is how, yeah, yeah we always This yeah. is the blueprint. Now, Charles Kincaid is still working as a reporter covering Congress, so they'd see each other often, and William is still angry with Awkward. how he was portrayed in the article. Right. You didn't describe my body like jelly. Yeah, I wanted to be the peach. Yeah. Now, Charles is about a foot shorter than William, and he only weighs around a... He's under 100 pounds, oh, Charles. He's so a, he's boy-shaped. He's, he's, he's a titchy man. Yeah, he's boy-shaped. Hello. <laughs> so, Sorry I wrote that. He also had a bunch of health issues, including uh, astigmatism, which left him with limited sight and Uh. liver and digestive issues. Oh, that's poor. I mean, no wonder he was like described everyone as food. He's like, imagine a meal (laughs) that you could eat without having crap come out of your bottom. She looks like a sirloin steak Uh. grilled medium rare. (sighs) Twice in the last five years, he had almost died of typhoid fever. God damn. So anytime these two guys run into each other, William would bully Charles. Yeah, but it didn't seem hard. He was like, have some berries. He was like, ah, oh, my belly. Add <laughs> the knots in my tummy. One time William shoved him against an iron railing. Ah, everything broke. Another time he slammed him into the door of a streetcar. It broke again. Another time he crushed Charles' foot with his booted heel as they got onto an elevator. Uh, Jesus. He's just brutalizing the guy. Yeah, write articles about me in the patent room. Maybe worst of all, whenever they would see each other, William started tweaking Charles' ear or his nose. I mean, this that this is shitty. This is like you're not allowed to do this as a grown up. As a grown up, yeah. Men. This is, well, yeah. The Charles is like just like living, but William's just like get in here, nugget patrol, nugget patrol, huh? Let's get in the pool. I'll give you the washer dryer. Uh, so this is incredibly humiliating and a way of showing William didn't consider Charles to be any kind of threat at all, right? Which he isn't because he's under 100 pounds. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's and it sounds like he could die. It's at quite any demeaning. Yeah, yeah. 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 Stop. <laughs> I'll break your foot, little man. Uh, so not even... You know what wor- belongs in the miniature room, you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not even worth fighting. That's what he's saying when he's doing all this stuff. Right. William's tall and muscly. Charles is described as, quote, 
a little pint of cider fellow. So there was someone else who was like, what kind of food is he? <laughs> Everyone wrote like that. Compare him to a drink. Yeah. <laughs> but it kept going on, and a few in Congress thought the feud would end up with one of them being dead. Wh- which one? <laughs> which one is it going to be? The giant or the, the titchy one who he keeps murdering? By the way, if I were to describe you as a food, I'd describe Dave Anthony as a box of jats. Dave, a box of jats. Try jats originals. Jats. Try original or pepper. Jats. So the bullying went on. Charles never responded. He took the physical abuse and the taunts and the insults and the threats. That's sad, too, because it's like he probably was just he probably was just kind of. I mean, it's probably twofold. It's probably that, like, bullying was so accepted, yeah. as well as he was probably, like, just so used to being demeaned that he was like, there's nothing you can do. You know, it's, like, abusive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it goes on for a year. God damn. On February 28th, 1890, at 11.30 a.m., William saw Charles near the entrance to the House of Representatives chamber and yelled to Charles that he wanted to see him. Charles said he couldn't because he was waiting for someone. I can't see you. Please stay. I can't. I'm waiting. What if I come over there and give you a rope burn? Please don't. <laughs> huh? Nuggies. Uh, maybe it's time to tune the radio. Give me those nipples. <laughs> AMFM. AMFM. Now, obviously, William didn't like being told no by Charles. Right. So he walked over and grabbed Charles' collar and shook him around. And then gave his ear a vicious twist. What? This is... Got your ear. Yeah. You you like Dutch? Have you ever seen footage of... I don't remember what... Someone showed me a video once of, like, um, Burt Reynolds and... uh, Who was the guy that he... The the heavy guy? Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise. And, um, and like... It like Burt Reynolds is like beating the shit out of Dom. De- like that yeah. was part of their bit. Yeah. And like Dom DeLuise like like lives in fear of Burt Reynolds as Burt <laughs> Reynolds is just like constantly slapping him, punching him, like pushing him. And people are like, these do have such a funny little friendship. It's like this man is like abusing this man. Okay. All right. So he hurts his ear again. The house doorkeepers pulled them apart. The next day, the Washington Post wrote, Charles said, quote, I am in no condition for a physical contest with you. I am not armed. And William responded, quote, then you better be. Again, that, that, I mean, it is it's fucked up because, like, he probably, like, practiced that line. He was like, you know, someone was like, look, you just got to straight up tell him that you are not able yeah. to have a physical, com- you know, just stay, st- yeah. state your piece. And so he's like, I am not, I am not able to have a physical confrontation with you. I am unarmed. He's like, you better get a gun. It's just, Jesus Christ, this guy. <laughs> I'm sorry that I wrote that you banged that woman who looked like honey yeah. in that room. Yeah. Well, peach and partridge, a and, peach partridge. Uh, no, but was a she- dewy peach partridge. Oh, dewy. That's what it's got me. So the two men go into the house. And word of the skirmish spreads through the press and the members of Congress. Charles then went home at some point and armed himself with a pistol. Nice. Here we go. He's probably doing the mirror thing where he's like, you, you want to do that again to me, you jerk off? Huh? No, I'll be more like, oh, yeah? yeah well, I think I found my noogie patrol, huh? Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll tell him I found my noogie patrol. See what you talking to me? Calling me pint size? Well, how about this, huh? Now am I so tiny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my leg! Ah, got it stabbed! Ah. So the two men 
came across each other again on the Easter side of the house on a Y-shaped staircase that goes down to a basement restaurant. Okay. I'm unable to have a physical confrontation with you. Charles was uh, said to be with a friend who dashed off. Well, I'm off. <laughs> Charles then said, quote, Talby, you can see me now, pulled the gun out and shot William in the face. Oh, my God. Welcome to bullying. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. It's exactly what happens on schools today. Totally. Yeah. On school campuses, this no is No exactly... more lunching on forbidden fruit. The bull- Shot him in the face. Yeah. The bullet just missed William's eye and went into his cheek. He was bleeding badly, but did not fall down. He staggered down a few steps where some friends caught him. I have a table for three. <laughs> eight, eight, four, two, p.m. Little guy has quite a punch. <laughs> William was taken into a committee room, and then they realized how uh, bad a shape he was in, and they hustled him off to Providence Hospital. Okay. He stayed conscious the entire time and was able to speak. He told Fred, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to that little motherfucker. <laughs> I should have picked him up and thrown him the first time I Someone saw him. Someone get his ear off his head and bring it to me. He told Fred and Senator John Griffin Carlisle they had an altercation earlier, but then asked, quote, he ought not to have done it. Why did he do so? Why, what, what, what preempted why, this? Why would he shoot me in the face? I did nothing but torture him. Always, too. I didn't do anything. We were having fun. <laughs> he was my little brother. I was just razzing the little guy. Snookies and ear pulls and nose pulls. And punching and, and breaking punching. his foot. I broke his hand. You know, just little stuff like that. Made his chest collapse. I slit his throat. Just stuff that you do to a little brother. I killed him. Uh, so Charles, uh, right after the shooting, a cop rushed over. And Charles said, quote, I did it. I am the man who did the shooting and then turned over the gun. He was arrested and taken to a police station and turned over to the Metropolitan Police. In his cell, he said he only shot William after he came at him in a very physically threatening way. Yeah, which I'm sure is true. Papers reported William's friends had taken a, quote, ugly looking pistol from him. Oh, wow. And that William had told a few people, including a judge, that he would have Charles' blood. I, I mean, like a judge. God, you got to get the judge in there. Is this, like, a, is, this, uh, <clears throat> is this official? I'm going to kill that motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... You're a judge, right? You're, you're a little chatty. Yeah, a little chatty. You know, like maybe... Chatty. I mean, if you're going to be like a psychopath, just kind of lock it in. Yeah, but... No need to be out there like talking to be like, I'm going to go tell this cop. I'm probably going to kill that guy. How you been? <laughs> Good? Good, good, good. Yeah, I figured I'll just shoot him in the heart. These things are illegal. I know. <laughs> off the record. I'm no, going to kill I'm him tomorrow, a, probably. I, you can't go off the record. Go down me. that Y-shaped staircase before I have a bit of uh, rump for dinner. <laughs> and then I'll go eat. <laughs> <laughs> but before I do that, I'll probably kill hey, that little Charlie Hey, patent office. Hey, patent that ass. Yum, yum. <laughs> so, doctors get a look at William, and they determine the wound is... He's been shot in the face. He's been shot in the face, which is bad, but not terrible. Uh, They determine it's not fatal. Hmm. And the bullet had settled somewhere in the back of his skull. I like the term settled. It's just hanging out back there. So we've... Good news. The bullet's still in your head. Oh, what's the good news? I think that was the good news. Well, no, more good news. It's not moving any longer. So it's... All good news. Just there. Well, the bad news is you've been shot in the face. 
Yeah, That's that not great. Uh, also, the bullet is done moving. We've I, determined I, through medical science that the bullet has stopped moving. So this bullet is done going through. We're not expecting it to pop out of the back of your head, which could be pretty bad. The bullet is for sure no longer in motion. So fun? there's just a bullet in my head. Uh, medically speaking, yes, there's a bullet just in your head. That but again, seems like a bad thing. Not an actively moving bullet. So we're not expecting any more damage from this bullet. You're just going to have a bullet in your head forever. Is that a big deal? Yeah, it seems like it would be. It's my brain. Want us to get it out? That would be... We have no way of doing that. <laughs> we don't have any clue how that's possible. Okay. You're going to have to do what we medically call live with a bullet in your head. Okay. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah. So that's it. So you're a doctor. Uh, well, I was a journalist. Then I started uh, a, a business with horses, uh, followed by I was a newspaperman. Um, and then recently I was a lawyer and then a farmer for a couple years. This is the, this is the way of the era. I made cabinets. Uh, I worked on the patent office, if you know what I'm saying. And then uh, now I've become a doctor because I said so. What was your business with horses? I started a business where you could take, I would put uh, clothes on horses and you could take them out on dates. <laughs> I would actually like that. Uh, yeah, it's great. You should do it. It's something that I've been thinking about ever since I got a bullet in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yes, medically speaking, you have a bullet lodged in your brain. So now I like horses as, mm -hmm. as my women. I ended up selling the business. There's a patent pending, so. Oh, God, I'm getting erect. Mm. So, Charles is released on a $2,000 bond. Okay. If Williams did die, he would be rearrested. Okay. So, newspapers around Kentucky um, go crazy with the story, obviously. Some so, defend, now he's like a hero again. Now they're like, our, our hero. Well, no, some defend Charles. Others oh, okay. attacked him. Um, obviously, dependent on their political leanings. But sure. then also who they were. Like sure. the Mount Airy Senate Democrat called said Charles acted with, quote, coolness and deliberation. So he was for sure a murderer. Right. While others, including the one Charles worked for, said he was completely innocent. Right. Well, that's strange, too. He didn't even do it. He was never even there. No, he admitted that. No, no he didn't. He's 100% innocent. Disagree. We don't think he's real. Next. He's a little tiny ghost. Yeah. Charles, quote, Mr. Talby had been dogging me for more than a year. I, almost, I am almost ashamed to admit it, but he assaulted me six times. No man has suffered more at the hands of another than I have from him. Mr. Talby has haunted me like a ghost. He has heaped insult after insult on me and three times threatened to kill me. I mean, I, again, knowing nothing, I feel like that is all totally true. Like, he, he took it. He was trying to stop it. He asked the dude to stop. He was, like, trying yeah. to avoid it. He felt shame. It was, like, private. He was, like, probably... I mean, he probably was bullied as a kid, too. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, you... You know, it's... it's Yeah, I mean, it's, like, what happens? And it's, then you're, like, that came out of nowhere. It's, like, dude, you fucking fuck with the guy it's, too much. It's just a, a jock versus a nerd, yeah. and now it's just in Congress. Yeah. Like, it's kept Now going. he kind of does have a silver tongue, though. Uh, most congressmen took William's side, saying sure. the press had reported on the patent office sex business way too much. <laughs> wow. That's... Well, what'd you think was going to happen oh. when you ruined our little fuck room? Look, 
We can all agree one thing. This man deserves to die because the sex room is not what it used to be. <laughs> Do you mean because he shot William in the head? I, the, uh, either way on that one. It's just this guy is a little shit. Put him in jail for what he said about the sex room. Most reporters, however, took Charles' side, saying he was a super nice guy and fair and wouldn't have shot someone in the face unless there was good reason. God, it must have felt good to, like, shoot him in the face. Oh, so good. One DC reporter wrote, William, quote, always manifested the most intense hatred toward Kincaid. He was voluminous in vile epithets toward the correspondent. Wow. Yeah, and physical. Yeah, and physical. Others said, look, this is just how people from Kentucky do things. So you don't understand. <laughs> we are assholes. When are y'all going to understand the Kentucky way? We like to be shitty to people. A nerd deserves a noogie. A nerd deserves a titty twister. Nerds deserve these sort of things. And then people who do a noogie deserve to get shot. It's how the business works. It is the way that the world maintains balance. People brought up that there were the Hatfield and McCoys feud and many others 10 years earlier. It's amazing to imagine the Hatfields and McCoys like noogieing each other. <laughs> this feud has to stop. Look at my son's rope burn. 10 years earlier, a defendant had shot a judge and an ex-congressman because they didn't like the judgment. The cur- so all these people are bringing up like instances of Kentucky violence. Like, yeah, but it's that's like, how they are out there. I mean, first of all, that has nothing to do with the other like... It's what we do. Think of that man who killed that judge because he found him guilty. It's the Kentucky way. We like to, we are just fucking pricks. God damn, when are y'all going to understand? We're not like your big city folk with your pleasantries and your how you doings. We like to be horrible to those who have ailments. We do we do a shoot them hello. How we are, are you? Bang, bang. We are just a misunderstood breed. That's right. All right. Now get over here. It's time to pay the piper, and I work in nougat currency. <laughs> so the Courier Journal wrote, quote, that which may be regarded in Kentucky and other states of the Union as a matter of self-defense is treated here in Washington as murder in the first degree. Well, we don't even allow murder no, in our sir. state. We don't have that It's shot. called a resin. It's <laughs> You've been reckoned with. Good Lord. But William keeps improving. Okay. He told his brother his version of what happened. He said he'd grabbed Charles Will by the... Will he be able to give noogies again, Doctor? Well, we're looking yes. at his chart right now, and it appears that... The wound has hit part of the lobe that would allow him to initiate noogies. Can he tweak an ear? We're hoping, with a good amount of rehabilitation and some good luck, yeah. that he might be able to tweak ears again. That's all he cares about. That's all we all want him to do. We have a facility no- located next door to the hospital where he will work with some of the best physical therapists we have around. Yeah. These yeah. people, uh, I've seen people that they say will never be able to bully again, get out there, and they're able to... Give titty twisters, wedgies, swirlies, things that you would have thought were out of the realm of possibility. But I will tell you this. It's not going to happen with a lot of hard work and without a little invention from the man upstairs. Okay. I pray for wedgies. Pray that he will be able to give an atomic wedgie again. Yeah. So... He, he told his brother that he had grabbed Charles by the shirt and may have taken him by the ear, 
but definitely did not tweak his nose. I never tweaked his nose. I did. That is a lie. The idea that I would tweak a man's <laughs> nose? Come on. I know what a line is. I had no respect. I mean, he's like a walking one-man Three Stooges. <laughs> On March 4th, the doctor was so happy with how William was mending that he sent him home for the night. There you go. Uh, the next day, everything went south, and now doctors are saying his death was imminent. Well, I'll tell you, we probably probably should have kept him overnight. Little early on that. We one. are very premature sometimes with the release. Oopsie. Um, we didn't realize that he would get so bad overnight. Right. But uh, your brother went from probably being able to do everything we hoped to uh-huh. he's going to die this afternoon. Okay, that's a quite a turnaround. Yeah, yeah. We feel like what's happening right now is God has him in a headlock. Could this have anything to do with the fact that he has a bullet in his brain? <sighs> It's hard to say. Uh, medically speaking, having a bullet in the brain has never been something that we find troubling. Okay. The bullet, again, is not in motion. The bullet right. has stopped no, moving. It's I like it's, it's not... lodged, essentially. Yeah. It's just up there. It just doesn't seem good. Well, lodged. did he move his head? Yeah. No, he definitely uh, he moved should, his head. That's going to be a definite problem. You don't want that thing rattling around there. It's like I putting you a said it wasn't penny moving. in a soda can, huh? I thought you said it wasn't moving. Well, if he moves, it's going to move. That's just like if you shake your arm, how your bones rattle around like a bag of chains. What the hell are you talking about? I'm explaining how the body works to you. He's got a bullet up there. If he moves his head, it's going to dance around a little bit. Your, no, your what brother did you is, say about bones? It's how the body works. It's just, like, it's just like any other part of your body. It's like if you shake your arm, and then it sounds like a coin purse being rattled. So what are It's you... like when you have you ever seen someone jump and then their guts are all rearranged, their hearts in their anus and their kidneys a... in their chest? Are you talking about a woman? I'm talking about a uh, yes, a woman, obviously. Yeah, I've seen that. But uh, yeah, that's the way. Yes, it's how it all works. You if you move around too much, you become like a puzzle that someone threw on the ground. How did you become a doctor? Again, I replied to an ad from Serial. <laughs> So, uh, a week later, on the morning of March 11th, William Talby died. Dude, those doctors really fucked up. Well, the cause of death was an abscess that had formed around the bullet, which again was in the back of his skull. So he was fine, but but then it got infected because it's a bullet in the brain. Turns out the bullet wasn't moving, but the skin around it was doing a lot of moving. So we uh, made what is in uh, the medical... uh, Journals called a, an oopsie. A big boo-boo. A huge oopsie. We made a boo-boo, major we boo-boo. should have taken the bullet out, it turns out. Mm-hmm. If you leave a bullet in a brain, it's not... There actually. is one more thing we're thinking of doing, which is shooting through the wound and trying to dislodge the bullet with yes. another bullet. Right. But it's a real Hail Mary. It's a real Hail Mary, yes. So a cop was sent uh, to Charles' house to arrest him for murder. Well, what's going on? He died. Shit. And he had died at 5 a.m. in the morning, so uh, when the cop got there, Charles asked if he could sleep for another hour, but the cop said no. I'll tell you, <laughs> guys, he, uh, what a disrespectful so... piece of shit dying at 5 a.m. Is there any way I can maybe kip out for like another hour and a half? I think that I ain't going to bed late last night because I've been so stressed about this guy. Now, imagine being able to go back to bed after they're like, you're going to jail for murder. Like, can you come back in like an hour, hour and a half? I'm just pooped still. 
You're not stressed out? No, I just think like, I would love to just kip out for like two more hours if that's possible. You're going to go to jail for murder, and it is an exhausting emotional experience. I would just love to just hit a little REM sleep if I have an opportunity very quickly, if that's possible. Uh, so the- Who is it, honey? I got to go to jail for the rest of my life for murder. Come back to bed. I'm trying. So he's given his own cell and allowed to see visitors. So reporters go in and reporters say he looks terrible. And that the stress of the shooting and the killing had really taken its toll. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he killed the guy. <laughs> yeah. It's stressful. So William's body was laid out at a, a Capitol funeral parlor. Uh, we actually uh, would like to uh, get at the body if we could. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got a, it's a funeral recipe, and I we like are doing a, a whole little like a set, like a little setup where we're gonna put all of your dead congressmen around the table and making right. it look like another last supper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so people come to pay with respects and then his body's put on a train and taken back to Kentucky. Him, him and his wife, they had mended their relationship and she went back with the body and just lives in Kentucky. She's like, I'm done with this. We're getting back together. (laughs) We finally figured out the problem. His existence. We've since mended fences. I love him so much now. We've never been better. Now that he's dead. I love him like this. Charles was indicted the next day. It was, reporting he, it was reported he couldn't even stand up now. He was held in jail for a month and then finally allowed to make bail on April 21st. Five friends held him up as he walked out. And the trial wouldn't come for a year for a couple of reasons. One being that all, a bunch of congressmen were, had to be involved in the trial and they're in session. Okay. Um, so on April 23rd, 1891, it began. And the district attorney laid out the case. Samuel Donaldson, who was a former doorkeeper of the house, was said to be the one who heard Williams say, quote, then you had better be to Charles uh-huh. about being armed. Right. But in court, he says that didn't happen. Interesting. Interesting. He testified he was with William when he was shot, and he said William had asked him to join the two men on the stairs to, quote, avoid a difficulty between myself and Mr. Kincaid. Well, it sounds, I mean, from, I know very little about William, but he always sounded like a bit of a peacemaker. Yeah, yeah, he's a very reasonable man. He's like, I don't want trouble with this little fella. I'm scared of this guy who breaks if you hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said Charles just all of a sudden shot him from behind. Out of nowhere. On the stairs. Right. Which we know he didn't shoot him from behind because it went through the front of his face. Well, that I mean, that's like the Kennedy assassination <laughs> where they're like, we believe he was like over here. You're like, it's actually a straight shot. They're like, he came from up. He was up here. Uh, he shot. He shot. Uh, he shot William with a. Uh, it's known as a U bullet. Mm-hmm. And it goes. It goes around. It was animated back. like a boomerang bullet. Charles' defense poured over all the occasions of bullying. His attorney, General Grosvenor, who I believe is the same Grosvenor from a previous episode. I remember. Quote, I will say that Talby constantly and in various ways insulted and assaulted this most helpless man, the shrinking, cowering victim. Uh, can I actually talk to you for a minute? This oh, hold little, on a second. This little tiny, tiny piece of shit of a man. Get over here. Little, Like a little bug, hey, like a little thing. Objection. That's, is Objection. he human, I ask? Objection. Objection. Can a, hu- a non-human Objection. 
kill time out. Request for recess, please. Hey, like I'm like trying to like even if I get out, Shh, it you'll break a bone. I'm not gonna. Oh, don't talk like that, please. You'll shatter your little brain. Or I something. just would rather stop. I'm not like that. It's not. I'm not made of glass. Are you gonna turn into a puddle, Your Honor? This man who's an ant is uh, bothering the defense again. <laughs> so uh, he. The- this little baby can't do anything unless we change his diaper. Stop saying that. I don't wear diapers. This man is little. It's like if a wizard turned a baby into a boy. <laughs> uh, Grosvenor also once referred to William as a giant. This enormous <laughs> giant who lived atop a beanstalk came down one day and then he abused this little worm of a boy. <laughs> Another person testified William had said, quote, he ought to be killed. By God, I'll kill him. And another said William had said he would kick Charles' head off. God. He's like, Ah. it's uh, the level. I mean, he's just, he got very cocky. He got very, I mean, I'm going to kick his head off. I'm going to kick his head off. By the way, if if there's a story when a guy kicks another guy's head off, I would love to have that covered. Absolutely. Kick his head off. Charles took the stand on his behalf. He said the morning skirmish should have ended with William saying, quote, you damned little coward and monkey, now go and arm yourself. You little monkey boy. You're like... <laughs> he also said William threatened to slit his throat one time. Uh, on the stairs... That'll make it easier to kick that head off. <laughs> in the stairs, he said William kept saying, quote, I'll show you and moving menacingly towards him. William... His brother, William's brother testified and said William had told him that he didn't know Charles was on the stairs until he was shot. Obviously, this did not match what Samuel Donaldson had said about he wanted help with the little guy. But William had also been shot in his head and, you know, was trying to, pardon the pun, save face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So so the two biggest prosecution witnesses counter each other. They don't have the same story. That's good. The prosecution, yeah. Like oh, Amber. shit, we should have had you fellas talk. Like Amber Heard's lawyer. <laughs> Whoopsie poopsie. Uh, Your Honor, uh, please remove me from the case. I am permission to treat myself as hostile. <laughs> Your Honor, I'm guilty. Fuck me. I love Depp still. <laughs> the trial lasted a week. A bunch of congressmen and reporters testified. It was j- just, you know, it's huge in the media. It's yeah, a big yeah. deal. And the jury declared Charles Kincaid not guilty. Nice. I thought that might Ruling that he had acted in self-defense. Interesting. But Charles went home and collapsed. He was exhausted. His health was always poor. But now after the trial and being jailed and the shooting, he was in really bad shape. He's in his mid-30s. He moves back to Kentucky. Worked a bit in That's politics. That's a strange move, by the way. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I would be like, I'm going to Illinois or something. Yeah. Um, so he works a little bit in politics and journalism, and then he died in 1906 at just 51 years old. Wow. Miss Dodge worked at the pension office until 1895 when she was fired. Five years later, she married a pension office reviewer. There we go. So she was, she was porking at the pension. She was porking at the pension. After, she, uh, after he died, she married a powerful D.C. attorney and became a big part of the D.C. social scene. Interesting. <laughs> the Talby family never got over the shooting. Six decades after the trial, one of his sons, 
called it a farce. And he said they now believed Charles shot their father because William refused to name him to a political position. Wow. And that Charles had paid witnesses. Wow. In 2007. Charles. I'm a bit of a kingpin. <laughs> You're going to take a dive on the stand. Do you understand me? Yeah. <laughs> In 2007, wow. a great-granddaughter said, quote, my great-grandfather was murdered, and his murderer got away with murder, and five boys were left without a we'll father. We'll pay you $5 if you say murder. A wife was left without a husband to support her. So they still fucking think. I mean, you know, there's so much of that in, you know, that's, that's just, you're allowed to believe your own set of facts. I mean, you know. Yeah, totally. like, so that, but I, and by the way, a great, great, I mean, it's almost like religion. Like, if you're told enough that there's a man in the clouds who created everything around you, you're told that by your parents, you're going to believe that. Yeah. Well, it's, if it's in your family, your family has its own personal lore or religion, and the family's just being like, he was wronged. He was a good guy. This, yeah. this Charles, he was actually six foot if he was an inch. So, um, marble is really porous. Marble is really Marble porous. Is, very a por- is a very porous. Um, this is quite a segue. Stone. Are we going to talk about countertops? <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh wow, there's still blood on the stairs. Oh my god, of what the, the House fuck? of Representatives because they could never get rid of it. They'd have to rip out the marble. Wow. So if you go there, you can still see blood stains. Wow. And they immediately started brush- brushing it because they knew that was a problem, but they couldn't wow. get rid of it. Wow. Um, so that could mean that there's still urine and feces from January 6th on the stairs. I hope so. I like to believe that. And a little semen, if possible. Some of them were pretty excited. Yeah. Um, uh, sources, the Daily Beast, uh, Downfall Dictionary, and the book. Oh, God, why didn't I have the book right here ready and waiting for my... You're true, vamping right now. Uh, Wicked Washington. Mysteries, Murder, and Mayhem in America's Capital by Troy Taylor. Wow, that's crazy. I, I mean, it is like, you know, I mean, having... I, I never had, like, extreme bullying in my life, but there were, when I was a freshman in high school, there were seniors who, like, oh, yeah. hated me because they thought I was, like, a druggie and, like, were awful to me. And, you know, that, like, it is. It's, like, super stressful. And you do sort of... When, you, when you're put in that position, whether you ever put action to it or not, you do, like, romanticize the idea of, like, beating the shit out of these yeah. people or, like, killing these people. Yeah. Like, it gets dark. And, you know, if someone were to be, like, to escalate it to be, like, you better be armed. Right. You know, I mean, you're, you are. You're kind of, you're, you're tempting fate a little bit where it's, like, at some point you are going to... Uh, you know, you're just going to run into the buzzsaw. I mean, you can yeah. only you can only do that for so long, and and it is horrible. It's like, you know, I mean, there are just there are so many. Well, no, how many how many kids kill themselves because they're being bullied? Yeah, like it's, it, it gets dark when you're, yeah. you know, and and if you have a history of that, and you're a grown up, and you're if you're like Charles, like you've been like, you know, you're not like super medically capable, or or you know, you you have some medical issues, or you're you know, whatever, you're not like, uh, you're not a, 
You're not like a peach or a puffy. Uh, yeah, you're pilgrim bird. right, right. You're not like a pineapple. You're right. you kind of like or a watermelon or a watermelon. You're, you're maybe like you're a, a little more banana. Yeah, you're like a, little, a like a soft. You're a mushier. Brown. You're a mushier. Yeah, but, yeah. You're getting ready to be made bread. Right into bread. Um, but if you're like that, like you know, you live in fear, like and because. You even what you say, like he he fucking was not happy. I mean, he was just it was never like he was like, ah, peace. He was yeah. like, you know, I think there is um, I'm actually shocked at the level that of empathy that a jury in that time would actually have towards know, right? someone feeling that way. Well, it was very much a time of like, well, uh, a sort of justice like this is when you if someone slept. If your wife slept with someone, you could kill the guy, and they'd be like, "Well, it's right, cool." So, so yeah, but even then, it's like I don't know. Like you would imagine that at a DC trial, that they would, you know, find that that would be like not okay to do. But you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, I mean, yeah, it just does show. Uh, you you always think that like there's that scene in Billy Madison. I know this is a weird connection. No, it's fine. Where where Steve Buscemi is going to like kill him, and Billy Madison apologizes for all that he did. Like you just don't know how much being terrible or being nice can influence or impact someone, mm -hmm. and the ripple effect of that in people's emotions. And, yeah. Like yeah. So I don't know. That's crazy though. It is crazy. I can't wait to see that blood. You're going to see the blood. Mm. Um, okay, great. Sex. No. Sex. What? <laughs> what? Wait, you said it back. Why did you say it back? Creep. We, we what a creep. What, what kind of a weirdo just hears the word sex and then says sex back? You, you are really, you have some real problems. Sex. Oh. By the way, sex is brought to you by Jets. <laughs> Jets crackers. They're for fucking. 